everyone and welcome to the 129th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the only podcast that doesn't go infinite with Felidar Guardian. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. A quick message from our sponsor, Face-to-Face Games. Face-to-FaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product with shipping to the U.S. or Canada. Check out face-to-face card pricing via mtgprice.com, whether you're building your deck or stockpiling on a spec. I'm your host, Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter. My co-host tonight is Cliff Daigle, Yay! Word of Commander, and we're here to help you guys make and save money in playing Magic the Gathering. Hey, everybody. Super glad to be here. Uh, looking forward to having a great conversation with Travis about all sorts of wonderful things. Just a quick reminder that this show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at MTG Price to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. All right. So, Cliff, it is good to have you back again for week two. Uh, I think we might get week three, too, possibly. We're getting week three. Uh, James has apparently bought every card in the former Czech Republic and is moving on to Bulgaria, I think. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, It's just a swath of empty card stores in his wake so okay. like real uh aldrazi level stuff well it was bulgaria so there is probably like one to begin with i would imagine <laughs> um but all right well why don't you tell our lucky listeners what they have in store tonight uh this week we only have three segments uh we usually have four but first we have our top movers we're going to go through all the cards that have gone crazy this week and there are more than a few We're going to share our picks of the week as we talk about some great places to put money to gain value. Uh, We're not going to have uh, last week's results to talk about since last week was limited all over the place. And finally, we have some new things to talk about in the WPN arrangement for uh, age and drinking. And we have Commander 2018 previews to talk about, too. Which I'm sure is what everyone's chomping at the bit for. Um, and we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit in our segment two as well. At least I will. But why don't we get started here? Segment one, top movers. First cards of card of the week is Rattle Chains out of Shadows Over Innistrad. Foils, two and a half to about $5. Uh, Banned Spirits in Modern has been getting some traction lately. The deck has been, um, <clears throat> I don't want to say on the fringes because I feel like it's been more represented than that for the last couple months. But uh, Magic 2019 brought a few new tools. So uh, you will see that Rattle Chains is not the first card this week that should, that we're, we're talking about because of Spirits. I know TCG Player had some articles. There might have been another one. So uh, just another deck that's gaining subtraction in Modern. I mean, it's a lot of fun to have your entire deck have Flash, even though you know, half the Spirits do already. But adding that two-mana Spirit Lord to things is just surprise. You're taking a lot more damage. Uh, I don't think it's done climbing, quite frankly. I would not be surprised to see this hit 10. Yeah, which is a fair point. If this is probably the type of thing where if you have these are these are early price spikes because the deck looks like it's gaining traction. But if somebody just shows up and slams three top eights in a row, these are going to keep moving because these are sort of like hedge your bets price movements. Uh, but once you get it gets popular enough that people really want to move in, then you will see the prices move harder once it's kind of proven itself. Um, and I think you can probably look at a few pieces of KCI and see basically that same thing. 
I was thinking the same thing about Hollow One, how uh, Goblin Lore went through three or four, like, real, like, I don't think it can go any higher. Oh, wait, it's what? So uh, this might be one of those cards. I don't think uh, Spell Queller would have quite the same momentum, but uh, Maelstrom Wanderer in foil, uh, I think, would be another related card because that card just ruins so many plans. Uh, yeah, very fair. Um, all right, what do we got next? Next up is Braid of Fire. The Cold Snap foil has gone from about $22 to around $44 for a straight double up. Uh, this is the cumulative upkeep out of mana enchantment, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Okay. Uh, Cold Snap foils never really been in high supply. I imagine there were 10 on TCG player tops, and somebody probably picked them all up and relisted them at a new price would be my guess. I don't think anything new is going on. With the new commanders, right? Not that I'm aware of. No, there's a new rare that we that might use it, but it just uses a lot of mana anyway. I don't think it would be anything independent of that. But you know, if you know what it is, uh, please let us know. I'm always open to find out what I missed. You know, it's a cold snap foil, so this could very well be the type of thing that just there were like three copies, and somebody bought the only one that was 22, and then the next most expensive was you know 45 um it's been popular for a while i remember making a casual deck with this when monoburn still existed so uh yeah continued appeal there following that is wakestone gargoyle card probably not everyone's going to remember this is from dissension and has a reprint in conspiracy four mana for three four defender flying uh, and you can pay two mana to have creatures you control with Defender can attack as though they didn't have Defender. He is a important piece in our good buddy, Arcad Dez. Oh my God. Uh, the Ant, Doran guy, Arcades, 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 because um, he lets all your Defenders attack. So foils on there jumping dollar and change up towards $3 or so. Probably pretty safe there. If this was only in Dissension, those prices would have gone bananas. But given that it's in Conspiracy 2 at Uncommon, there's a good outlet. Was it Conspiracy 1 or Conspiracy 2? 1. It was Conspiracy 1? All right, well, that that's, can't be much of a bump in the supply of foils. That still has a, a lot of foils left to go. But, yeah, uh, if you've got it, don't don't sweat it. And if you need to get one, you're still getting in relatively cheaply. If you're going to build this deck, it's a great card to have in there. Yeah, it's not... Um a huge supply from conspiracy, but it's I think enough to take some of the pressure off. Cause I mean, dissension was probably what a quarter of conspiracy or somewhere in that ballpark. Like if it was only that, that would be tight. Yeah. This would probably be 10, something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see what's next on our list. Next is ley line of the void. Original foils from guild pact have gone from about $80 to $180. Uh, I don't think any new graveyard deck has come around, but the supply on this was so small to begin with. And even with reprintings, you know, this being the original foil, uh, it's going to always command a certain premium. And it is one of the best graveyard hosers you could ask for. I know it's played heavily in Hollow One decks in the sideboard so because it exiles their graveyard and doesn't mess with yours at all. Yeah, Leyline of the Void, definitely a major component of modern legacy vintage all of them one of the best graveyard hosers foils from 80 to 180 means that there was one listed for 80 and either somebody bought it or it got delisted or something like that 
Um, it's not like there's suddenly a, a surge of demand for Leyland of the Voids. It wasn't there before. Remember, we're all also, also we're also talking about the original guild pack printing here. Um, yep. So obviously, those original foils are always a little more than normal. But uh, I mean, at, at this point, I feel like none of you are sitting on guild pack Leyland of the Voids, wondering when to sell the foil copies. If you own them, you own them intentionally. Um, so following that. Meekstone, uh, Meekstone showed up like every version of Meekstone's on this list. Actually, I see the fourth edition one. Looks like somebody went after Meekstone, I guess, because there is like very few copies of this card left, I think. So let me poke around a little bit. So let's is see Meekstone on the reserved list? Nope, it is not. So revised copies are 10. Uh, yeah, this card, yeah, because it was an invention. Yeah. Uh, the masterpiece. The Masterpiece Meekstone is still only $50, which is kind of funny. But the uh, foil or 7th edition Meekstones, I think, are gone completely. 6th edition, they're $10. 5th uh, edition, they're gone completely. So at least for near, for near mint copies, I'm not exactly clear what's going on here. Like this certainly makes it look like somebody just decided to buy all the meek stones. And I'm not going to say that that's not what happened. It is sort of an odd play to buy all of the meek stones, but then leave the, uh, looks like 15 ish invention copies at like 48 and $50. Um, you would think those would be high on your priority list to clean out if you wanted to hit all the meek stones, but maybe they just wanted to get the card from what have we got it here? Three or four bucks to 10, which is what they've done. Uh, I don't know. This certainly seems coordinated though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. You don't buy out all the different versions of this without having some kind of plan. I, yeah, right. I got like nothing. Fourth, fifth revised, uh, there's something else. There's another version there too, I believe. I mean, there's several versions of this card. Yeah, Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, Revised, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th. So they got 7th, 6th, 5th, 4th, Revised. That's a lot of damn meek sounds. Uh, and supply on this card is ginormous too, right? Like, Yeah, you can't... Uh, even It's not just the foil copies is the thing. Like you have 7th yeah. edition foils and... Is that it, though? We have 7th edition and Inventions, and that would be it. But they went after non-foils. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, 7th edition foils already didn't exist. Right. 7th edition foils. And it's a rare in 7th edition, yeah. So, I don't know. A curious decision, but there you go. Um, What do you got next? Next up is Elvish Guidance. The foil common out of Onslaught has gone from a buck to around two and a half. Uh, this is a really awesome card in Popper Elves. And you don't need me to say much else. It's a common that has gone from $1 to $2.50. If we get like widespread adoption of Popper, if they ever get around to formalizing that instead of just one day at a Grand Prix, um, we might see this go higher, but if you've got it, hey, go ahead and sell it. Don't don't hold out for four dollars on this. It's a it's a land that it, uh, when it's tapped, it adds a green for each elf you control. Just so everybody knows how not crazy powerful it is. Right. Yeah. This is not anything thrilling. I wonder. I mean, okay. I mean, when I saw this, I was thinking the new um, the new commander, the new Bant Enchantress. But. Mm -hmm. But is that elves? Not, no, but it's not really an elf card. 
I just saw the enchant land and just scrolled past it. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I see it as a pauper elf card. Yeah, I think that makes a lot more sense than uh, the Bat Enchantress. Um, Crypt Rats, foil 7th edition copies, 100 to 250. Okay, whatever. Uh, Zendikar, Harrow, foil Harrow from Zendikar. Three and change up to nine. I'm going to assume this is also, uh, or this is the Jund Land Matters deck. Um because that's the type of card that wants you to move lands around, sack them, put them in, you play from your graveyard, just find more of them type of thing. Uh, so that would make sense there. Um, Harrow's had several printings now, I believe, because it was a reprint of, of uh, a card from Tempest, actually. Yeah, it was in Tempest, that. and then again in Invasion, yeah. and it's been in several dual decks. It was It's a Magic Player Rewards promo. Um, yeah, it's been... All right. It's been in two different dual decks, two commander decks, including an anthology. Uh, people have gone after this foil, and if you see any relatively cheap invasion foils, uh, go for it. I like the textless ones better, but you do you. Yeah, I would say, I, I you know, if I had the first pick any of them, it would be the invasion foils because I'm a sucker for old border foils. Uh, but after I'll that. After that, the uh, NPR, the player, the textless full art ones would probably be my next choice. Um, and I see two of them left at $3, but they're the only copies out there. So if you want, if you like this card, I would grab it now. Um, it's not, you know, it's not going to hit $30, but I would not see this being $3 for much longer. Especially player reward stuff. I it, That's that's some rare stuff considering how long ago the, the program was and how attached people tend to be to textless cards. Yes. Yep. I agree. Uh, okay. Then Goblin Gardener, foil seventh edition. Who cares? Five bucks to 10 bucks. It's a foil seventh edition card. Um, can't imagine it really matters. Uh, <clears throat> following that, this is a weird one. Dance of Many. Dance <laughs> of Many is from the dark. A dollar and change to $3 and change. Let me see if I can get you through this. It's a two mana enchantment, blue, blue. You have to, It has an upkeep of blue, blue. Here's the rule text. When it enters the battlefield, create a token that's a copy of target non-token creature. When it leaves the battlefield, exile the token. When the token leaves the battlefield, exile Dance of Many or Sack Dance of Many. So essentially, you've got a creature in play. You play Dance of Many. You get a, to- uh, a token of that creature. And you have to pay two mana every turn to keep it. And if either the token or Dance of Many goes away, the other one goes away as well. My initial reaction is the enchant because this is not rule uh, not on the reserve list. So my initial reaction is either the bant enchantress or blue red tokens. Is the dark legal for old school? Or is that too recent? Yeah, I think so. It should be right. I think no. Actually, I think it was more nine. No, uh, hold on. Now I'm gonna look. Uh, I thought it was, but it might not be. I, it's it is good with. Uh, it's an enchantment that makes a, a creature token. So let's see. You would think that by now we would know which sets are legal. Uh, the dark is on the list. Yes. Uh, every fallen empires is on the list too. I didn't know that. Ugh. Uh, so yeah, you have two different things that it could be due to, and I wouldn't be shocked if this was on the list next week, going from three dollars yeah. to like five or six. It was a. What's the rarity? It's the dark rare, which is like uncommon two or something wacky like that. But you know, it's it does both of those things. It plays well. It's a another clone effect in decks that want it, and it's an enchantment for the Bant deck that's coming out. 
Okay. Interesting. Uh, following that wall of kelp from Homelands, 10, 10 bucks to 25 for wall of kelp. Oh. That's just a, wall of kelp is the uh, two mana O3 wall that you can tap to put an O1 wall into play. This is just astounding that we are talking about this card. <laughs> now, to be fair, um, everybody who had one ran out and sold it at seven or eight dollars. They said there's a Homelands card worth money. Great. So this is probably just a, a relist at a super optimistic price. And if you are buying this at twenty five, I don't know what to say. I have very bad news for you. What's On that? the TCG player oh, seller dashboard, the last sold listing is $24.99. What Somebody the paid fuck? $25 US American dollars for <laughs> Wall of Kelp. Well, I had not bothered to dig any out of my box, but by for God's sake, fine, I will. <laughs> <laughs> we have passed the threshold. I like how you were not tempted at $10 per copy of Wall of Kelp to go spelunking through whatever homelands you have laying around. I mean, yeah, so ridiculous okay it is. there you go it kind of is. uh next up we have foil copies of zer's weirding going uh the eighth edition foils have gone from about four dollars to around ten uh really irritating ass enchantment to put into play but if you like making people go crazy this is the card for you because you can pay life and make sure they don't draw a card right that's the uh, uh, am i remembering that right off the top of my head that you can pay two life and they don't draw it uh yes correct yep so you can pay to if a player would draw a card anyone else can pay two life and prevent them from drawing it so if you have a way to gain a bunch of life you can just prevent everyone from ever drawing a card again yeah they mill it instead of drawing it and the hands are revealed so this is exactly the card for uh shenanigans in an enchantment deck and you go on with your bad self this is you're gonna get uh a lot of mean looks but that's what commander's all about yeah, that's that's a pretty good combo if you if you can manage to get the board to um, you play uh, Myojin of Knight's Wish from your hand, remove the counter to make everyone else discard their hand, and then you slam Zer's Weirding and pay two life every turn, and no one can ever draw. Everyone's hands is, hands are gone and cannot draw any more cards. And if you can get any life gain going, like in Aloro, you can outpace them. Pretty oh, savage. God. Pretty savage. Oh, uh, Laura. I hate her. Right. What do you got next Let's, for us, Cliff? Next up, we have Stone Cedar Hierophant. The foils from Ravnica have gone from... Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Under a, Stone Cedar what? Hierophant? Hierophant. Hierophant? I'm tired Hero. of having... Hero. <laughs> Fine. Hierophant. I don't know. Uh, he's gone from a buck to two fifty. Uh, I think he's a fun common for Pauper, but I'm not 100% sure. I am not. I got the untap trigger, right? Um. Uh. Well, I could see this in. Yeah. Jund one maybe. Whenever a land comes into play, untap it, and it has tap, untap target land. Yeah. Super fun with uh, bounce lands. Yeah. I mean, this seems like if I had to pick a recent event, I would say the Jund commander deck. But like, I don't actually know if that's what it is. It could be popper. But it's just a random. Either way. I mean, it's a Ravnica common. It's still at three dollars. It's nothing too crazy. Yeah, I don't. I don't see this being a a major deal for anyone involved. Um, Following that is Myshin the Mind Cage. 
from Savior. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Are you sure it's Maishin? Maishin. Let's see. This is supposed Maybe. to be coming out, which is Japanese. Maishin? 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 It's very close. We need, to, we need to hire somebody who does pronunciation for a living is clearly what we need to do. But I don't... Well, no, this this isn't... This isn't straight Japanese, though, because I don't think... No, they do have the M sound. So, may I think it's Maishin. Maishin, I believe, in my terrible pronunciation of Japanese, but Maishin, the mind cage. In any case, uh, seven mon enchantment. All creatures get minus X minus O, where X is the number of cards in your hand. But if you're playing this in arcades, you get to make <laughs> all creatures have no power, except that your creatures deal damage based on toughness and nobody else does. Um, so you get to it's combo rific. Yes. Basically your creatures are the only ones that actually do anything when they attack. Saviors of Kamigawa has a pretty tiny supply. So this probably would have taken like one article of you know, somebody putting it in a commander deck and going on a stream with it for it to go to $10. So if you've got them laying around and you're not already playing it in some, delightfully janky deck uh feel free to break it out and sell it for 10 bucks it's probably do you think it's uh candy to get reprinted we're going to go into this in more detail when we get the commander sets but um a lot of the non-foils uh super super uh sketchy considering we don't know all of the deck lists yet i think yeah i, I do think that any non-foil card you are tempting fate if you uh, if you oh buy into those, God. these are the types of cards I think you just want to at least for the new stuff. You just you write it down, you keep an eye on it, and then as soon as that full spoiler goes up, you go and look. Like, did I dodge it or wall not? Of, God, Wall of Kelp is on the reserve list. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's after uh, Mayshen for there? Uh, next, we have Slagworm nope. Armor. Nope. No. Don't we? Oh, I'm sorry. We have, uh, oh, God, another Japanese word that I'm probably going to mangle. Uh, kaijin? Yeah, Kaijin. Kaijin of the Vanishing Touch. It is a uh, the foil out of Betrayers of Kamigawa. I had to look this one up. It went from a dollar to about three fifty. It's a one in a blue for an O3 wall that when it blocks something, bounce it to hand. And uh, I have to imagine this is Arcades at work again, and people are really trying to get these two mana walls so they can load up the board with defenders and then attack. And if you want uh, an even better... Wait, what's... It's an O3, right? Uh, let me look. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, oh, no. if you want a better one, go get a uh, wall of... Oh, God, I don't remember what it's called out of Stronghold. Wall of... Not Denial. Um, God, there's 4,000 wall of Blossoms. Bones. I don't know. It's in my Uncommon Cube. And it's an O4 with the exact same ability. Uh, wall of Ice? No. Your inability to remember this disappoints me. Well, you know what? You have a lot that disappoints me, so let's just move on. Uh, wall of Tears. Wall of Tears. I know. Uh, <laughs> after that is Slagworm Armor. Um, Slagworm Armor is a one-mana artifact. gives you Enchanted Creature O6. So it's a common, which means it's either a popper card or it's for arcades. Why you would spend a card slot in arcades to give your creature to, equipment to give your creature 06, I can't fathom. But like who else wants this? I can't imagine it's being good in popper either. 
the, the I mean, the price is uh, what are we talking about? Foils, a dollar fifty to five bucks. Like, what? I don't, I don't understand who actually wants to play this card. This can't, I don't either. I'm, I was surprised. This, why is it already a dollar fifty? This seems like something you would find in every bulk foil bin. There's got to be. It's in fifteen hundred decks. There's got to be something. So let's see. It looks like the top commanders. It's in fifteen hundred decks. EDH decks, which is not not a lot, but it's not nothing. I mean, that's more than other cards that you feel like should be higher. I mean, it's in mostly Doran decks, seven, about 800 Doran decks, and then the next highest is uh, Thunax at a little under 300. So this just looks... So it's got to be arcades. This has got to be idiots who think that, they're, they, <laughs> that arcades needs to devote a card slot to this giving them six extra toughness. Just mind boggles. And... Uh- I, what might be happening is somebody is just looking at the most popular cards in uh, the Siege Tower builds and just saying, all right, what's good in this? All right, I'm going to buy those. Yeah, but like to even call it the most popular is a stretch, right? Like this is... It is a This stretch. does not show up in the top 15 artifacts in Doran. Whatever. <clears throat> Whatever. After that, uh, we have... After Mausoleum... Wait, where were we? Cyber Mar- then we have Mausoleum Wanderer, which is the uh, Eldritch Moon Spirit. Um, whenever another spirit enters the battlefield, it gets 1-1, one, one, and you can sack it to counter an instant or sorcery unless they pay X, where X is its power. So this is a um, essentially the spirit version of Curse Catcher. Uh, frankly, just better than Curse Catcher for the most part. So... Another part of the Bant Spirit deck in Modern, just like we talked about with Rattle Chains at the top, non-foils, a dollar and change to five bucks. Five bucks is probably pushing it for this. Um, I see that price dropping as people get their copies listed online, unless the deck is a, the real deal. Yeah, it's it's going to be capable of it, but we'll, uh, we'll have to find out if it's going to do well or if it's going to be a flash in the pan. Is it humans or is it... Uh, I get it, a flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Next up, we have Chiron Negotiations. The foil out of Mercadian Masks has gone from about $3 to $12.74. A triple up, and I confess I don't know why. Uh, it is a neat enchantment at uh, four, uh, sorry, two and two red. Tap and untap creature, and you deal one damage to is it creature or player, or is it just creature? It is, it is target player. player. Okay, so you have to tap all your creatures and you do a bunch of damage. Uh, it seems like a slow way to do things, but uh, if you already are playing, you know, Prifros or something in Commander, I can see this going. Is this a reserve list card too? No, it is not. So somebody's really uh, taking a chance on them not reprinting this not very good card. Yeah, and I'm not even sure where you're eager to play this. Like, it's not clear to me why I don't you know want either. to play this card. I wouldn't play this card. Okay. Following that is Jeweled Amulet out of Ice Age. Uh, an uncommon, not reserve list. Pay one tap, put a charge counter on it, and then tap remove a charge counter to add a mana. But the mana that you add when you remove the charge counter is the color of the last mana that you used to add a charge counter. So if you charge it up like blue, blue, red... And it's got four counters, and then you use a remove a counter, you get red because it's the last used color. I don't know. Uh, 
But the price on this guy moved from a dollar and change to five bucks. Just had to be somebody grabbing a few near mint copies of Jeweled Amulet, I guess. It is, I mean, it's a zero mana artifact that can build up mana for you. So if you're looking, we, we said Ice Age was legal in 93, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a playable, I mean, no, it's definitely a playable. It's not, I'm sorry. Uh, Ice Age was at, at 93. It is not legal in 94. Uh, it stops at Fallen Empires. Then, I don't know, you got me. Uh, artifacts. People are trying to get crazy with the artifacts. I, I, I but I don't like. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I it just doesn't seem like it would fit into <laughs> the new blue red artifact deck. Like it doesn't. This just seems like a bad card, but I don't know, and I, I sure wouldn't pay a uh, dollar for it, much less five dollars. Agreed. Uh, What's after you, that? If you know, by the way, everybody, as we should always say, if you know the new sweet combo, and Travis and I are just out of the loop. Please tell us. We would like to know so we can say, oh, that's why. Because I like knowing these things. I, I hate to think that people are just crazy. I would like to know why they're crazy. Yeah, but make sure you are deferential when you tell us. Because if you're arrogant about it, I'm just going to block you. You can be arrogant with me if you want. You should, yeah. you should beg us for the privilege of telling us something we don't know. Especially be uh, mean to Travis about his pronunciation problems. Next up is Bomat Courier Foils from Kaladesh have spiked by 10 bucks, going from about 250 to round 13. And uh, I is it starting to get play in modern now? Did somebody break modern with a, a mono red deck? No, I was wondering this myself why Bomat Courier would have gone up all of a sudden when it's already been popular. Um, I mean, maybe it's seen some play in modern, and I can figure that out. But it's still not going to be that big of a deal. Like, right? Like, even if it's suddenly popular in modern, you're not going to, it's not, it's not like it's taking over the format or anything. So, um, I mean, there is a smattering of decks that have used it in Affinity. Affinity seems like the most common deck to be using Bomat Creator in modern, but there's only a few places over the, over June, which isn't definitely not enough for me to think this is a real thing. So I, it's not clear to me why this would have moved all of a sudden. It could be a data error that comes up every now and then. Let's could be. See. Let's see what I can find. Let's see. Bomat Courier. So I noticed the pre-release copy on TCG Player is completely gone. And there's only five copies for pack foils. Pack foils are $12 on TCG right now. And the pre-release copy is completely gone. So... <clears throat> I got nothing. I am not here. I can see this being a good card in Affinity, but that deck is already like really uh, terrifyingly tuned. And, uh, you know, you get a couple more cards and Affinity can use those cards quickly, but I don't. Maybe it got featured on a stream someplace that we didn't catch. Yeah, that has uh, to be what it was. Next up, we have Perimeter Captain Non Foils have gone from uh, 50 cents to around 250. The World Wake, uh, I want to say this was an uncommon, right? Uh, yes, yes, uncommon. Yeah. Uh, an 0-4, that whenever a creature with Defender attack, uh, I'm sorry, blocks, you gain four life. Am I? Or is that Golden Glow Moth? Uh, I think I think that is Primer Captain. Two life, you gain two life. Two life. Okay, and this is clearly uh, in part of Mr. Sabbath's uh, effect on things. And uh, if you don't want to buy the foils at around. Eight dollars, it looks like on TCG. 
then I would understand if you wanted to pick up the non-foil at much less. It's not like Arcades is going to get his own uh, commander deck. And yeah, you yeah, about $8 for a foil. There's only 28 copies of this uncommon on TCG, but I imagine that's just because people are not bothering to list it yet. Yeah, the card was popular anyways. People like people perimeter captain was a card that people bought and used prior to any of this. For whatever reason, people like defender decks. I don't know. Yeah, there's only five foils on TCG right now, too. Yeah, I I actually built a mono red wall deck back in my kitchen table days. Well, because Vent Sentinel is the stone nuts. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, my kitchen table days were way before that. I played. Oh, uh, God, Wall of, I know Wall of Stone was one of them, but I had a couple red walls, Wall Flames. And then when somebody inevitably attacked me to try and get some damage through, I would block. I would, well, first I would put Furnace of Wrath into play to tempt people into attacking me. Then they would attack. I would block with a wall, Glyph of Destruction to give it 10 Oh, and then fling it at them for 20 damage on the spot, which was well, you really are... clever once. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is. And then they just started saying, well, I guess I'm going to have to kill all your walls. All right. If that's the challenge, I accept. Well, those were kitchen table days. Nobody played removal. So you just ended up <laughs> staring at each other. <laughs> I can't imagine a worse feeling of having to use removal on walls. But let's yeah. move on. Yep, Psychotog from Odyssey foils to three and change from three and change to twenty eight bucks. Psychotog, of course, is the um, ancient guy. Three mana, one two, discard cards to, to pump him up and remove cards from your graveyard to pump him up as well. Uh, it used to be Psychotog uh, Sunder was yep. the combo you played. Doctor Teeth. Um, yeah. So, what would you? Uh, I mean, the play there was to Sunder. And then cast Psychotog and then just discard all of your cards and exile your graveyard and then swing for 20, right? That was the play. Something like that. You uh, you probably didn't need to do 20, but you would just return as much as you can, then discard it, and then get two more. Because every three cards is... I'm sorry, every two cards is three damage if Psychotog gets through. Yeah. So, any case, foils on this jumped up pretty considerably. Like I said, 3 to 28 I, again, I don't know why Psychotog would suddenly be popular. Um, he's not particularly useful in any of the new decks when I'm looking at him. So this must just be an old supply type of thing. I mean, we're talking about Odyssey foils. It's not like there's a great deal of them floating around. And, it's also uh, uh, worth mentioning that there is a uh, player rewards version of Psychotog. It's not textless, but it does have the new uh, border and everything. And it's got the DCI logo, and there are 68 of them available on TCG right now. Yeah, and still unlike 20 of them near mint. So this must just be the original Odyssey foil that you know yeah. one or two people bought. That sounds about right. Uh, next up, speaking of old foils, we have Masticore, the reserve list foil from Urza's Destiny, has gone from $50 to uh, at the super optimistic price of $500. and uh, I just imagine this is a buyout of the three copies that were on TCG someplace because this is not a this was a very powerful card at one point, but it no longer has the same quite um, 
cache, and there's a From the Vault Relics copy out there too. So I don't know why we're all fixated on this one. Yeah, I'm Massacre is whatever, I guess. Okay. It's just reserveless foil, right? It's reserveless yep. pack foil. There's not really anything else to go on there. Um, Wall of Junk from Urza Saga non foils, fifty cents to six bucks, which is a pretty good, uh, pretty good pickup if you just had a million of these sitting around. Two mana O seven. When it blocks, return it to its owner's hand at the end of combat, which I believe means it dodges the combat, the damage resolution step, so it doesn't die. So you have an. Go ahead. No. No. Uh, it, whenever it blocks, return it to its owner's hand. So when it attacks, because it's a two mana O seven. The the thing is, is that in arcades, the, oh my god, I just said arcades. <laughs> you are in my head, you asshole. Anyway, uh, this is basically a two mana seven seven in the uh, arcades deck. That's what I think this is. And uh, can you look and see when the last sold ones were? Because I have some boxes of Saga to go look at if this is the case. No, it will tell me the last sold price, but it doesn't tell you when it was. But it does look like one of them sold at five fifty. Holy crap. Yeah. But All the right. lowest listing is like a dollar fifty right now. <laughs> so I don't think you're getting too lucky on this. Let's see. Market price is three seventy six. You can yeah, you can buy a copy for one there's one copy up right now for one twenty, one thirty. And then the next cheapest copy is five fifty. So buy the one for yeah. one thirty and then sell it for five fifty. <laughs> um finally last card of the week ravenous bailoth from onslaught foils two dollars and change to 25 uh, i'm at a loss here did you figure anything out for this i did not i tried real hard to see if uh, one of the uh spoiled or previewed cards cared about beasts and i, I didn't see anything that made beast tokens um I, I I don't know. Uh, this has been printed, uh, let's see, two dual decks, the Onslaught. Uh, you have a commander version and a judge promo uh, that have slightly different art. And, uh, you know, it's been a fun sideboard card. But generally speaking, you go with Obstinate Bailoth in uh, Modern if you want the life game because you'll get the creature and the life immediately. Yeah, so I, don't know. I don't I just don't know. Me neither. Um it's not clear to me what's going on there. So, okay. Okay. Well, right, I'm, I'm comfortable admitting ignorance on this matter. Yeah. All right. Segment two, Cards to Watch. Cliff, why don't you get us started? Uh, first off, I really like Greater Good foils out of Battle Bond. Right now you can get them around 14, and I think they'll go up to eventually 30 or so. Uh, the other two foil versions are $43 and $40. Those are from 9th edition and a judge promo, respectively. And this is just really underpriced compared to the other two. And I think they just, they're going to catch up. It doesn't have to be anything too huge. It just has to take a few people who say, I want greater good. I want it in foil. Why am I going to spend $40 when I could spend 15 and the market will adjust? Okay, so you think I just think there's good. one... This one version is underpriced compared to its uh, its the other two foil versions. Yeah, I feel like we talked about this not that long ago, actually. Did we? No, I mean you might. I let's see. I'm looking back through older ones. I'm not yeah. Saying. Oh, here it is. I picked. I had it as a call. Uh, oh, on episode one forty five. Same so, version. Same foil. Well, 
that, that I mean, that's fine. That's good. It just shows that we are completely on the same page. <laughs> wow. I really like your next pick uh, for the record. You're okay. Brilliant. Well, thank you. Uh, my first pick of the week, by the way, here's a little poll for you guys. You can answer on Twitter. It's currently Monday. If I say I'm going out next weekend, <laughs> do I mean the Saturday five days from now? Or oh, do I mean the Saturday 12 days from now? Stop. So if I say, if it's currently Monday and I say I'm going out next weekend, do I mean five days from now or 12 days from now? Let me know on Twitter. My card, Sovereigns of Lost Alara. I'm looking at foils from Alara. I think it was Alara, right? Or was it one of the other ones? I think it I was didn't... Alara Reborn, wasn't it? Yeah, Alara Reborn. I didn't play during that set. So I they just lumped all three of those sets into my head at once. And I never keep track of them. Um, <clears throat> six bucks right now or so for foils. I like that up to probably like 20-ish or so. Non-foils are like 4 or $5. So foils at six is a very narrow margin. Um, Sovereigns of Lost Alara, if you're unfamiliar, I guess now it's like nine years old, so you might very easily be unfamiliar. As an exalted card, I really liked the exalted mechanic. It's six mana for a four or five exalted. Exalted is when a creature attacks alone, it gets plus one, plus one, and then it has another trigger on it. So whenever a creature you control attacks alone, search your library for an aura card and then put it on that creature. So here's why I like this card. We have the new, uh, what's her name, Edris or something like that. Elvis, Adrena, I don't know. The Estrid, the new Bant Enchantress deck, uh, is going to be interested in playing really good auras like Eldrazi Conscription. And that was actually the deck used to be, uh, it was a. I don't remember Bant Mythic. What it was, yeah, that's what it was called. It was called Bant Mythic. Yeah. Yeah, it had a couple different names, but Bant Mythic is what it settled on. Uh, but you used. Sovereigns of Lost, because it actually, I actually think it got away from the Sovereigns combo eventually, but it, for a little while, it was a Bant deck that used like Lotus Cobra and Jace and Knight of the Reliquary. Uh, um, and then you use Sovereigns of Lost Alara. So the idea was you would slam a Sovereigns of Lost Alara on like turn three or four, and then immediately attack, get the trigger, and go slam an Eldrazi Conscription onto your like Lotus Cobra. And now suddenly they're dealing with this like 12, 13 Trample Annihilator 2 threat. Um, so basically, it allows you to tutor for auras out of your library, which is obviously going to be crazy in a commander deck. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the type of deck that's going to want to play great, great auras. So foil multiplier, real low on this. It's never been reprinted. Supply is very low. And I don't foresee anyone playing this deck and not wanting a copy of Sovereigns of Lost Alara. Um, non-foils are probably pretty good too. Of course, with the huge caveat that this is exactly the type of card they could reprint in there. So just, you know, if you're going to buy non-foils, make sure that you've uh, double-checked for reprint first. I am on board with all of those statements. I would be all over foils and I would leave the non-foils in the dust because it's, like you said, exactly the kind of card that wants to get reprinted. And we're getting the full list of the commander cards on Friday, uh, this Friday or next week? Do we know? I do not know. All right. We'll find out the fun way then. I think it's this week. I think we're going to get one day of each of the decks. And then maybe at the beginning of Friday, we'll get all of the cards and it'll give us something fun to talk about on for the next cast. Great. Um, okay, what's your next card for the week? Uh, my next card is a pair of cards, actually. Uh, I think Will and Rowan Kenreath are underpriced for what they will be right now. Uh, it's about 120 to pick up the pair in foil. 
And I think that considering how small the amount of battle bond uh, is getting open, and these are foil mythics, that uh, this is probably going to end up being a $200 pair. Uh, you can't just have one. It'd be super lean to have just the one. And the other card we have with alternate foil art, the way that this does, is Kaya the Ghost Assassin, who's $100 on her own. So the fact that you need the pair, uh, it's an expensive get-in, but if you're looking for a big uh, number value, I think this is where you want to be. Okay, so wait. One foil copy is... Well, there's not a single one of Will, it looks like. Uh, what's the chick's name? The no, chick's I, name. I see twenty six of the alternate art. You got you can't in TCG. They do alternate art as a different uh thing, so you have to keep that in mind. Wait, the, Will Kenrith. Oh, oh, I see the alternate art. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and the launch party copy has the alternate art too. Are they the same thing? I'm not sure, actually. They're listed separately. There's a release event and then the alt art promo. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, one of them has a date stamped and one of them doesn't. It will appear. How do you get? The, how did you get the alternate art but not the pre-release? All right. So the yeah, the regular one has uh, her brother in the background, I guess, and then the the foils like they're flying solo, but they're doing different things. You can still see both of them, but they're like further away. Yeah, but anyhow, they um, I just these are underpriced for where they're at, and there's not a lot of them. And true that we're about to get some more Planeswalker commanders uh, coming out uh, this week or the next set. But uh, given what uh, Kaya the Ghost Assassin has done, I think these will be going up eventually. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Uh, there are first of all, there are no foil. Cop pack foils of Will Kenrith. Maybe were the oh were the foils? The foils are alternate art, just foils. like with Kaya. Okay, so there are no foils of, of the, the original art of the normal art. Okay, all yes. foils are the alternate art. Oh, okay. I am catching up several minutes late, but I am on track here. Yes, I do like this. Um, Forty-five, fifty bucks, you know, per. Uh, seems pretty reasonable. The supply is not too deep. We know it's going to stay shallow. We've seen Battlebond foil buyouts all over the place. I don't think it's a bad choice at all. Um, sure, I'm on board, especially with how expensive Kaya alternate art foils are. I mean, these are going to get emptied out, and then that's it. They're gone. That's it. They're, you can't uh, drag people to a Battlebond draft now. No. No, good choice. Good, good catch. I wasn't really paying attention. Well, your, um, yours is a good catch, too. Yeah, so my second pick of the day is Mimic Vat. Foils out of Scars of Mirrodin are around $10. I like them up to probably $25 or so. Let me tell you about this card that got spoiled today that <clears throat> was a little later in the day. So if you kind of looked at the uh, announcement around 11 a.m. Eastern, saw you know what showed up, and then you moved on with your day, you might have missed him. His name is Brutaclad. Brutaclad? Brutaclad? Telcor Engineer. Uh, we're going to need a pronunciation guide for that one. We really, no are. Right now. we really are. Six mana, four, four, legendary blue-red artifact creature. I feel like there's a lot of information to try and process in your head at once. And it's an artificer. Yeah. Le legendary artifact creature, blue-red, four, four. Creature tokens you control have haste. 
right off the bat. Creature tokens have haste. Very good ability. Haste is awesome, Commander. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 2-1 blue mirror artifact token. Then choose a token you control. If you do, each other token you control becomes a copy of that token. So let's say you have a bunch of uh, treasure tokens, right? The one that you sack for one mana, you know, the Lotus Petal tokens from Ixalan. You can create the 2-1 mirror artifact token at the beginning of combat, then choose that mirror artifact token, and all of your treasure tokens become 2-1 blue mirror artifact creature tokens. Uh, if you have, for instance, a death touch 3-3 worm coil token from your death from your worm coil that died, you can make all of your tokens worm coil, 3-3 worm coil engine tokens. Couple of other interesting things. This does not say until end of turn. I know you heard it. We all heard it, but it's not actually there. Uh, it is oh not until end of turn. Yep, everyone is going to oh miss that. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Holy so, crap! Thank you, Travis. I. Uh, it's like the those those weird optical illusions. You yeah. just heard me look read this line by line and look for end of turn, and it's not there. Holy shit! Yep. Yeah, which is really interesting. So that means like if you have you know. You only need to have the token available for one for one moment. You, at the beginning of your combat, you as long as you have the thing available to you at the beginning of combat, you can turn all of your tokens into that. And then, uh, even if one of them dies, like you get to keep all of them. So you can do some pretty amusing things with that. Mimic Vat is where this like you cannot build this deck without Mimic Vat because whenever a creature dies, you steal it and you put it under Mimic Vat. Then you slam the Mimic Vat token into play. For instance, you steal their... God, what's even legal? You can't do Primeval Titan anymore. Um, you don't have to name much. I, I don't know. Like any awesome creature, like Avenger Zendikar or whatever, then you uh, make all of your tokens into that card. or so, you know, Avenger Zendikar is probably not the best choice. Uh, I don't know. What are some other big nasty creatures? Blightsteel Colossus is kind of funny. Great. Here's an army Great. of Blightsteel Colossi. In any case, there's no possible way that you build Brutoclod without a Mimic Bat because it just turn it takes whatever the best creature to have died and turns it into tokens for you, um, which you can then make all of your stuff turn into. Uh, Mimic Bat is foil. Mimic Bat is in like eleven thousand EDH decks, and honestly, could probably be in more. The card is really good. Um, in EDH, not only because you get to make awesome tokens that you can do stuff with, uh, a lot of players don't realize you can use it as a uh, graveyard cleanser. So what you can do, for instance, if your opponents get triggers off of death stuff, like whenever a creature dies type of thing, you can just, if they have their entire board of creatures die, you can just run them all through Mimic Vat. Like, okay, I'll put this one under Mimic Vat and then this one and then this one and then this one. And then they don't get any die triggers because they instead of dying, it goes under Mimic Vat. And then when you replace it with the next card from Mimic Vat, it goes just goes directly to the graveyard. So basically, you can prevent all death triggers with Mimic Vat in play, which is pretty amusing and it annoys the hell out of people, just sort of incidental. So the card's in like 11,000 decks. It's even probably should be in more than that, probably because people don't really realize quite how it works. And it's going to be insane in this in this uh, commander. He's also really cool. The new Sahili commander is boring. Who cares? She's not that interesting. But this guy is cool and does something kind of in a way we haven't really seen before. So I like 
the, the kind of the space he opens up. And I think foils of Mimic that are going to be gone at $10. We're, it's only in Scars of Mirrodin. That was it, which is also like seven or eight years old now. Uh, so supply is low and it's not going not gonna to stay. I am 100% with you. I always feel like Mimic Bat is like the 110th card when I build a commander deck. I always put Mimic Bat in and I'm like, I, I guess I'm going to take it out. It doesn't like fit my theme, but this is on theme and it does all the things you just said. And if you really want to go uh, one level deeper, the counterpart is from original Mirrodin, the Soul Foundry. And that's that'll only exile something out of your hands, though. So it's much weaker. So you, uh, that's something from original Mirrodin, and I think the it's like a six dollar foil, if I remember right. Uh, I looked at it not too long ago, but anyway, um, anything that makes creature tokens repeatedly is going to be good, as we're going to talk about. Uh, Frexian Reclamation is the first one that I think of, but we'll uh, we'll get into that. I, I love this pick. Cool beans. Um, Speaking of tokens, okay, what's... my last pick yep. is. Uh, actually much much better with your commander than with that commander than i thought it was uh i like mechanized production to go crazy uh it's the mythic out of ether revolt right now you can get foils for around five bucks and once people see that that end of turns thing is a thing it is especially going to spike uh i think it could hit 20 because uh, i was under the impression that we're just going to be making artifact creature tokens and having a bunch of them and at your upkeep you win but now with uh, Brutaclod, uh, let's go with that pronunciation, uh, with, you can just win when you've turned all your tokens into the same thing anyway. You don't even really have to wait. That, yeah, that, yeah, that is uh, also probably a auto-include in that deck since you just snap. I mean, it's not an auto... You don't instant win, right? Because it's the beginning of your upkeep. No, it's, a, it's an upkeep win. They have one turn to mess with your stuff, which, you know, there's a lot worse win condition cards that have spiked a lot harder yeah so chance it, it keeps doing stuff so, in the meantime it's not like you're only playing it for the win condition it, yeah it keeps making you copies of whatever you enchanted and making token copies of that so it just keeps churning out the tokens and having a great time yeah the supply on this is a is a touch higher um so i don't think this will snap quite as fast as something like Mingvat or some of those other cards will but at the same time it's going to be easier to get involved um, and this will continue to be popular. You know, it creates tokens of artifacts. That's cool. Uh, people are going to like that. So a little a little longer pick, but I do like the idea here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about a bunch of it already, but let's dive into these commanders and then we'll talk uh, the WPN change. Uh, so you want to do commander first? Yeah, let's do commander first because we, we spent like 15 minutes just talking about uh, artifact creature tokens. Okay. So why don't, why don't we do this, Cliff? Tell me, tell me what you're thinking here. What are, what are you excited about? Uh, I like the, um, the spoil, the, yeah, spoiled uh, Aminatal, Aminatal. I don't know how that gets said either. The Fate Shifter, the Esper one, the top of the deck, you draw a card and then put a card back like the smallest brainstorm you ever saw. And then she mm -hmm. flickers. And then uh, you do this really funky thing where you're basically switching all the permanents controlled by the le people to the left and right of you. And I don't know how that works in two-player. I'll be honest with you on that. If somebody wants to chime in on Twitter or you know, give me a judge ruling on that. Uh, I think that everything that manipulates the top of the library is going to look really good. Uh, even um, the new Disciple of Gix out of Dominaria. Uh, she could see a little bit of a spike, but there's a ton of her out there. 
Uh, Future Sight, I would bet a dollar Future Sight is in this commander deck. And just as a way to keep playing the top card of your library and keep it going. So uh, I would probably be thinking about either Old Border Future Sight or uh, Foils of Future Sight. It's had two printings? Three. Two. Three? Let me look. Uh, looking at Future Sight... It's had four printings. Uh, one of them was online Vintage Masters. Uh, only, yeah, so you got Eternal Masters foils and Onslaught foils. So uh, either of those would be much safer places to park your few bucks by then. And uh, foil Future Sight is popping up as 15 for me on TCG. And we'll see if it stays there. I doubt it. Yeah, Amentao is a really interesting creature. Planeswalker. Apparently, her name, by the way, means oh shoot, I lost it. It means something in in Philip in Tagalog, which is the Filipino language. Tagalog. Tagalog. I mean, this is ours. Ooh. This is ours in in uh, Tagalog. Although I, I picked that up on Reddit, and the guy said it means this is ours in Filipino. Filipino is not a language. The Philippines speaks Tagalog. In any case, um. Really curious card, and the one I am most interested in. It's also the one I was most interested in in the first place. Anyways, when they revealed the themes, because it's the one we've seen, we haven't seen as much of the top of library matters as we have the other themes. Uh, and when we finally got her, I'm still really curious because it doesn't quite tell you what's going on. You can look at the Lord Wingrace or whatever, and you're like, okay. He wants me to sac- you know, toss lands in the graveyard to draw cards, and then he brings some of the lands back. So you know what the cards in that deck are going to look like. You can see the theme and how it's going to execute on that, partially because we've already seen that and stuff like Get Rug Monster and plenty of other cards, so you can kind of put that deck together in your head. But for this Planeswalker, it's not like she gives you a really clear direction on what's going to happen. Again, if you look over at Brutaclod, you can see like, okay, this deck is going to have lots of cards that generate and interact with blue-red tokens. But what is a Minotaur going to do? What do those cards look like? We don't have a lot there. And she, the, the text on her card doesn't give you a really clear direction. So I'm still left wondering what this deck is going to do. Um, that said, she's really curious and I'm excited to see what else is in here. I think there's... I think this deck has the most opportunities for for profit to be found because people just don't know what to buy yet. And they're going to see something and be like, oh, this is how this works. This is what card I should go buy. Uh, My first thought, as with everyone else's, was Miracles, but they've basically all been reprinted. Temporal Master's still pretty decent, but in general, there's not a lot you can work with there. Um, But, you know, other than that, it's like, where else are we going to go with this? You know, what what is supposed to be good? Like, is she going to do stuff to your opponents when they put cards on top of their library? Should I be playing, looking for those types of cards that flip permanents onto my opponent's libraries? Do I want stuff that's going to put stuff on top of my library? Like, are there payoffs for knowing what's on top? I don't know. Um, We don't know yet. But I do think she is the most interesting one to keep an eye on. I feel like Um, she's not going to do the... She's telling you what the theme is. She's not paying you off for the theme. And the ability to like put the card from your hand on top of your library means that you can continually keep the same card on top if that's beneficial to you in some way. Uh, you know, the top card of your library, they take damage. They lose life equal to it. There's more than one card that does that. Uh, Baneful Omen is the first one that comes to my mind. But there's also, I think, 
a vampire who does that, where you reveal it at the end of turn and everybody loses life equal to that. Uh, the name escapes me. Yeah, there's a couple. She's only three mana, which is probably part of it. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, they, she can't be as big and as splashy and as powerful as some of the other Planeswalkers who are five and six mana. Um, three is obviously lower the ground. Uh, so I assume, which is also kind of what makes it interesting. Um, so I assume that there's more support for this type of thing in the deck. So we will just have to wait and see. It is definitely curious. Another fun combo is uh, Teferi's Protection. Activate her ultimate and then cast Teferi's Protection. You exile all of your stuff and then everyone moves their cards. And then you get everyone else's stuff back. That's uh, that's on par with uh, Joyra suspending um, something like Gutshot and uh, Obliterate or the Worldfire or something like that. Yep, yep. Uh, you can also play Felidar Guardian. Felidar Gar- Guardian and Amentau is a Amentau is an infinite combo. Um, doesn't do anything other than infinitely bounce each other, but throw a I'll throw the broom there and you win the game on the spot. So. Interesting card. I think Sahili's bad, or at least not interesting. Sahili's not bad. She's just not as like. Let's let's be honest. Would you rather have Sahili in play in your artifact deck, or would you rather just have Captain Joyra? Yeah, like you have the Captain Joyra. You have obviously Brea, uh, although she doesn't give you red. I mean, but Brutalclad seems more interesting than Sahili does for sure. It gives you a little more direction. Uh, Taunos, uh, there's a, a billion infinite combos with Taunos, too, if you really want to get down with the uh, blue-red 1-3 haste that has blue-red tap, copy target activated, or triggered ability you control from an artifact source. You can choose new targets. You cannot choose mana abilities. But the popular one for that is going to be just anything plus Paradox Engine. You copy the Paradox Engine trigger, and you're just going to get all the untaps you want. Mm-hmm. So you can go mm-hmm. infinite with that much less mana rocks, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, I guess really you can you can't copy mana abilities, but you can copy Voltaic Key, which can untap Gilded Lotus. So sure, there's there's your infinite mana. There you go. Uh, it's also it would also be infinite with uh, Coveted Jewel, the the other artifact yep. that got spoiled, or another one that got previewed, and because it won't give up uh, the card until. One or more creatures and opponent controls attack you and are not blocked. So you're going to put into play, draw three, tap, add three, and you're going to town with Tonos and Paradox Engine and everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he's, I don't know, I, he didn't strike me as that exciting. Uh, I guess just it doesn't seem like he's, maybe he'll be good. It just he doesn't seem like he does something novel. So I didn't know if people would care. I'm curious if people's Get Rog Monster decks are going to turn into Wind Grace, um, or if Get Rog will continue to be more popular. I think Get Rog is a more powerful card, but Wind Grace gives you access to red. I know I don't remember feeling like I was desperately in need of red in that deck, but there's definitely a couple cards that I wouldn't mind having access to. Uh, Seismic Assault and Get Rog Monster would just be insane. Oh. Um, just as yeah because some of your sacrifice outlets for your lands in that deck are a little questionable so just pitching them is is awesome um and wind grace is pretty solid the overlap on those cards is going to yeah, be uh, tremendous the enchantment uh, basically the same uh, estrid the masked uh she's interesting with the uh with the token armor because you can give a to give any permanent the totem armor ability 
but uh, at the same time, like it's not terribly exciting. Uh, you can maybe you're right that the uh, the elf mana land is what the she spiked the elf mana land, but uh, you've also got wild growth. You've got uh, overgrowth would be even better. Uh, Gift of Paradise would do it too. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of ways to abuse her plus two of untap each enchanted permanent you control. So, yeah, I think there are like five, six, seven, maybe even more land auras at this point that are various forms of wild. Growth. And the question is just what are you going to do with all of that that you wouldn't so do in just some regular commander deck where you're ramping like mad for whatever you want to do? Uh, Genesis Wave, Maelstrom Wanderer. Pick your poison. Yeah, it almost seems like you are inclined to. I'll be. We'll be curious to see what other commanders come out of the Esther deck because Esther, as a commander, seems pretty lackluster. But maybe there's another Bant commander in there that does something else more interesting. Um, is that how they do it? Because there's three. It says three legendary foils. So I guess what is that? Yes. Astrid, and then the green, white, and a blue white. You think? Uh, I would imagine get one, get another green white at least, and the third one. Uh, I don't think any of those colors is super like focused on. I, if it had to be any single color, it'd probably be white. White has. Um, I guess. I. I guess I'm wondering if we'll do another three color commander. If it'll be Estrid plus another three. Color. I think we'll get something kooky like a three color bestow, because we have the five color bestow in Chromanticore. And we have no two-color bestows. So I think we'll get a few of those, but whether they'll be legendary, I don't know. But a legendary bestow seems like something spicy you could do, you know, just play it on any creature that you have. Would that be worthwhile? I I don't know. Depends on what they do to it. Yeah. So Astrid seems like the deck most likely to see the owner swap the commander right away. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh so we're we're gonna have more spoilers for that over the next week. Obviously, Cliff and I will reconvene um on our next episode to talk about the far more numerous spoilers we'll have at that point. Let's let's talk also about changes in what the WPN allows DCI sanctioned stores to do. If you are unfamiliar, um magic stores uh partners with wizards are bound by a set of policies that Wizards and the WPN, Wizards Play Network, have set for them. Now, they are not required to follow those policies, but they lose their advanced status and various statuses if they don't follow them, which is a huge deal. So it's essentially like saying you cannot do this. Up until recently, stores were not allowed to uh, I believe the exact the, the, close to the exact wording was that they weren't allowed to sell alcohol at events, and you also weren't allowed to restrict events based on yes. age. Now you can do both of those, so that means you can now host alcohol-friendly events, which is definitely going to be a big deal, especially probably over in Western Europe where there's a much stronger pub culture. I know that a lot of stores over there got hammered because they tried to, they, you know, they ran like F and M's and stuff like that at their local pub. Um, And then when that, you know, when wizards nixed the ability to play alongside alcohol, uh, you know, the local stores were pretty pissed because a lot of the people would, were playing magic because they were at the bar. They were, but if you had, if they had the pick, they were probably choosing the, the pub. 
Um, and it also allows you to set age limits. So now you can officially say, okay, this is a 12 and under event or a 18 and under event, um, which they weren't not allowed to do either. So now they can more specifically tailor events to age groups, which I think will also help alleviate stresses of parents. Um, because now they can say, Hey, this is a, you know, 13 to 18 year old event. No one over that is allowed to play might make the parents feel a little bit better about letting their kid hang around at the card shop. If they know it's mostly their peers type of thing. Um, what is your takeaway from all this cliff? So, uh, I live here in the San Francisco Bay. I'm in Oakland and both of these things have been happening at an unofficial level already. Uh, I can think of two different places that had, uh, drafts and, uh, I is D R A G droughts droughts dra- is that pronounced drafts as well? I don't know. It is, it is still pronounced draft. <laughs> Are you serious? I know there's 13 ways to say O U G H in English, but I right, find so they would have drafts and drafts so that you can uh, get a beer and do a draft, but it was not you know DCI legal. <laughs> and there's uh, places here that have been doing. Uh, junior planeswalker events for some time and i know of a place that does date night magic where you could bring your child of a certain age and drop them off for like three hours and go see a movie and then come get your child again so there's this is something that they're trying to follow the the stuff that's already happening and that's good because a lot of times wizards likes to dictate to us and uh one of the things that um Mark Rosewater pointed out once that when they were doing uh, suspend testing, like you have, you put something on suspend and then it comes into play. Everybody thought it had haste and it did not originally have haste. And they said, well, if everybody wants it to have haste, let's have haste. And I think that's kind of what's going on here between Europe and people doing uh, drinking at events and you want kid friendly events and you can make this an official thing. You know, you don't have to wait. You can go ahead and, have this fun. And it's a a good sign from a company that we found out is in the same growth pattern as Monopoly and Baby Alive. So good job, Magic. (laughs) Yeah. And this to me speaks to Wizards moving. You've heard, if you've listened to much of the cast, you've heard James and I talk about how Wizards for a while now has been pushing towards a more community, a more social type of Magic um, you know, they're de-emphasizing the pro tour. They're making strides to increase the social presence of the game and really play that feature up. And this is a major shift towards that because this does in some ways allow stores to fracture the player base, but at the same time, it's allowing them to serve more socially, uh, appetizing play spaces, whether it's getting to have a beer with your buds while you play, or it's being able to cultivate, play groups specific for age um, age ranges, uh, that type of thing. Um, I don't remember. Does it say something about sex? Are you allowed to restrict to gender? Uh, I don't believe so. They may now restrict events by age, and that's about it. It doesn't have anything else for that. Uh, there was the whole thing about a store that had put up the, uh, the dumbass flag and uh, had changed a bunch of words on the WPN posting and that store lost its WPN status. But, uh, PT, uh, one of the changes is notable. Um, 
PPTQs and I imagine RPTQs are still everybody. If you qualify, you go. Um, there's uh, a guy in my store. I think he's 14 or 15 and he just qualified for the pro tour. So, uh, you know, the age is for the, uh, more, I don't know what the word is. Is it, it's not casual level enforcement, the regular rules enforcement level, I suppose. Uh, let's see. It's professional, then competitive, then ARIA. I think it's just ARIA. Regular. Yeah. Regular for, you know, REL stands for rules enforcement level. So it's regular REL. And, uh, yeah. So I, like you said, this is a way to get more people in, even if it means they're not all at the same event. And that just, especially for the age ones, it's a way for newer players to, you know, get used to it with other people their age. And it can be really intimidating if you're, uh, 16 and going into a place with a bunch of 30 and 40 year olds. Cause that, that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so I guess they can't do it by like a girls only day. Yeah. You know, you can't have, I don't think they can officially do that. No. Um, the lady plays Walker society is kind of a, um, just a, not an official thing. Yeah, it's not an official thing. They're not allowed yeah. to do, um, they can do, you can run those events. Like, just like I said, that, um, stores have been doing the kids only or the, uh, drafts in the, and the drafts at the same time, but it hasn't been like, you're not getting planeswalker points and you're not, uh, you know, getting things ready for, um, your, to raise your store's level from core to whatever the other designation is. So this will right, be for right. more stores to to get what they have going on, and you'll see, um, you'll see more of this. You know what people are doing is where wizards should go, and this is just them listening. I I hadn't even thought of the the European scene, but that's exactly right. You know that's a that's a big social area, and by saying you're not legally allowed to do this, you're you're shutting out a part of the audience. So good job, wizards. Good job. Yeah, and you know a part of the reason we stopped going to F and M. Uh, was because we were, you know, we're like, ah, you know, I can go play FNM and the prize support's pretty lacking and I'm just hanging out with a bunch of kids. And like, we could be playing a board game and having beers and we're like, eh, let's go do that instead. But, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to, but like, you know, if we had a, we have a, a bar around here with a hundred draft lines and if they started running FNM there, I'd be like, sure, I'll go. Like, I, I don't mind being there anyways. Uh, and if I'll, I can play magic while I'm there, that's not a problem, you know? Uh, and it would get me more likely to go to like, you know, you're, you're probably going to, I almost think this would lead to more uh, EDH F and M's because that's a very social game anyways. Uh, so, you know, hang around, have a beer, play EDH F and M. Um, Cause I don't know if you guys have ever tried to draft while you're drunk. That is pretty challenging. <laughs> well, uh, I'm more comfortable with uh, drafting, around beer than i am uh commander around beer well the card value is a big difference yeah but i guess you you you're gonna play poorly in both of them but you're less likely to care in commander and you're less uh, likely to you know uh douse your um your inventions in an ipa and a draft why did he why ipa cliff i don't drink travis so that's just the first thing that, that came to my mind oh okay yeah. <laughs> well, are okay. you upset that I picked IPA out of a hat? No, I thought it was a shot at me. Why would it be a shot at you? Okay. You and Jason do well, their I, stuff online. I, I, I have no idea what you're saying back and forth. It's like, this is IPA a good beer. Is, this is not a good beer. I don't know. IPAs are definitely the hipster 
beer. Are they? Okay. Yeah, they're like the the beer nerd beer. So if you're if you're gonna tease somebody for like beer and being a nerd and you know because that type of thing, this like, podcast oh, is exactly where I'm gonna tease somebody about having uh, really deep knowledge on an esoteric level, right? This is a spot. I, w- <laughs> I will mercilessly and relentlessly mock people for knowing anything that I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's a cool move. I think it opens up a lot of opportunities for stores, really allows them to play up the social aspect of the game. And again, move away from like the competitive nature of FNM and events, you know, set up a more front, fun social setting than a, than a competitive one, which is the way the game is going. Um, so I would expect to see more movements like this in the future. Uh, but that is bringing us to this, the end of this episode. Uh, so Cliff, where can our listeners find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at word of commander, as well as my Friday articles on mtgprice.com. All right. And I am Travis Allen, wizard bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N on Twitter. I'd like to remind our listeners to check out mtgprice.com's pro trader service for $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Travis, a pleasure as always. Uh, We got one more week together, and uh, looking forward to talking about all the Commander shenanigans. There's going to be some really insane spikes that neither one of us saw coming, and we'll say, sorry. I wish I thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) I agree on all accounts, Cliff, and we will see you guys next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm